We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, want to take a moment to tell you about Buzzsprout. I know that if you're a podcast junkie like I am, you probably have thought about starting your own podcast before. I know that can be a little daunting, but if you have the right help, it's not that hard. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. We've been using Buzzsprout since day one and could not recommend it enough. So if you're interested and you have that itch to start a podcast, make sure and follow the link in our show notes. And Buzzsprout will be able to help you and guide you along the way. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, Chargers fans. Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I'm the host of this podcast. And with me, as always, is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today? I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say with me, as always, is Gavino. <laughs> and I didn't think you were going to say me. I was really caught off guard. Uh, I'm doing good today, though. I'm... You know, just, I guess it's a, actually just another day, but you know, it's the weekend, so I'm chilling. Um, it's still way too hot. I know I complain about that every single episode, but it's just too hot, man. And yeah. I know Gavino's probably looking at me like, come on, it's hot over there. You guys are lame. Weak. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. What is so, it over there? Spoiler alert, Gavino Borquez, the, the managing editor, editor of Charters Wire is with us today. Gavino, outside of being really hot in Arizona, how are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Enjoying this Father's Day. Uh, had some activities going on early on uh, in the day, and now I'm just happy to be on with you guys to talk some Chargers football. Yeah, of course. We're happy to be here. It is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. 
you know, I know my dad is, has been a big influence on me as well. And, you know, shout out to him and shout out to all fathers. And you know, it's just a, a good day to celebrate with the family, like you know said. So unfortunately, we do have some sad news to talk about. And that is that uh, former Chargers and USC Trojan Max Turk has passed away. Um, he was 26 years old. He was a member of the 2016 draft class at one time thought to be this Chargers center of the future. He was only 26, which is the exact same age that I am. So it was, it was definitely a little striking and definitely sad to, to see that news. Um, that 2016 draft class has been you know, pretty fun, obviously, with Joey Bosa and Hunter Henry. And then Jatavis Brown and Derek Wall were members of that as well. Guys, any, any thoughts on, on Max Turk uh, passing away, unfortunately? So I don't know how many people remember him coming out of the 2016 draft, but it was very, like – it was awesome to be able to get somebody like that in the third round. One, you were getting a really good player, a very mobile center, very agile right. guy who could get to the second level very well. And, but that's just, you know, that's just his football talent. But, you know, I, I very clearly remember quite a few interviews with him where he was just seemed like a very positive dude, despite coming off the injuries um, in college. And then despite the suspension in the NFL, he was just a very positive guy. So, you know, it, it's interesting that he was only with the Chargers for as long as he was, but the second it was announced, everybody knew who it was. Like, everybody realized, oh, shoot, we remember that guy. And that's an awful thing because he, he did have an impact in 2016, like just being on the roster alone because, you know, Chargers fans, we want our linemen. Um, so – when he first when he first got on the team, everybody loved it. Everybody loved him. So, uh, but you know, outside of football, I didn't know him too well. But it is very tragic that young man. Yeah, yeah, it's just unfortunate timing, and you know, life is too short sometimes, and you know, it's tough. And, and you know, the sad part of it is the football side of things is you know he didn't and last as long as we all would have hoped. But he at one point was an incredible player, and before all the injuries happened, he was looked at to be one of the, the amazing future linemen in the NFL. At USC, he was extremely productive. He was extremely impactful. And he looked like he was on his way to a, a very solid career. Um, unfortunately, it just didn't pan out. So kind of transitioning to how that, that relates to the Chargers, you know, the Chargers center position. Obviously, you have Mike Pouncey. You have potentially Scott Questenberry. And then you could maybe have Dan Feeney. Gavino, what do you make of the center position for the Chargers right now? Jason and I are both big fans of Scott Questenberry. We think he should be starting. Obviously, Mike Pouncey has one year left on his deal and is coming off of an injury. How do you see this center position shaking out? And, you know, could we maybe see a changing of the guard with Questenberry to Pouncey, or do you think this is Pouncey's job to lose? I think it's Pouncey's job to lose. Obviously, he's going to be playing the entire season as long as he stays healthy. Um, that's the biggest thing. And then if he were to get healthy, it just depends on what the coaching staff thinks, because despite Quesenberry's great 2019 season, although it was limited, um, I think they prefer Feeney at that center position. So it'd be kind of puzzling to see Feeney get the nod at center. And then maybe they um, put Forrest Lamp at left guard if Pouncey was to get hurt. But uh, we saw so much uh, good from Quesenberry when he was on the field, but with Pouncey having one more year remaining on his contract, it'll make out to be good conversation to see what they're going to do at that position because he's getting older as well. So, you, I mean, and they also have a lot of 
notable free agents coming up too. So it makes you wonder if Pouncey is a part of their plan beyond 2020. Um, or, you know, that could be a position that they attack in the draft early on. Um, that would be kind of unfortunate because Quesenberry did show a lot of promise. So maybe if they were to like view that as a priority and then keep Quesenberry as a depth player, I think it would have a lot of people scratching their heads. But um, in terms of where it sits right now, um, first off, it's just good to see Pouncey uh, medically cleared. Um, you know, him being a critical piece on the offensive line and him being available is absolutely huge. But if he was to get hurt, that is a huge loss. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's definitely a great piece of, and a, a great veteran to have around and specifically for the depth of the offensive line. You know, we've talked about a bit about the depth of the offensive line and like if Pouncey goes down or if Ryan Belaga goes down, are you concerned about the depth on the offensive line? And, you know, there are still some, some options out there, but how concerned are you about that depth up front? I am slightly concerned because I think we look from the center position on to the right side with uh, Pouncey, Trey Turner, and Brian Belaga, and we're pretty content with that. And obviously from the center position um, to the left side with with Feeney, Forrest Lamp, okay, but then just that left tackle position, um, it's a bit worrisome. Obviously, they're kind of banking on James Campen with the development of those guys and then having a more mobile mobile quarterback um, aiding in any deficiencies and helping mask those two. But um, in terms of the depth, I wouldn't say that it's superior at all. And if one of those guys, key guys, were was to go down um, – then they could be in a little bit of trouble because then like say Belaga gets hurt and he's had injuries in the past and you're moving Sam Tevy back to the right tackle position where he has just not done that well. You know, if you're going to ask Trent Scott to go to right tackle um, again, I feel like they did the right thing in free agency by bringing in those guys. But um, I was expecting them to at least draft one offensive lineman, you know, either a tackle or, a guard, but they chose not to do so. Um, and then as far as their undrafted free agency crop, um, there's some intriguing guys, but um, I don't know if they would even just crack the roster. And then obviously you have Storm Norton, um, very athletic player, but in terms of just uh, panning out at the NFL level, uh, that just remains to be seen. So again, there's a lot there at that position that has some people concerned Obviously, we're looking at the bright side of it with those um, three key players. But, you know, from the past, we know that injuries are a thing with the Chargers. So if that was a start, if that um, right. started to happen, then um, from there, who knows? Because that could be, make or break the season if the offensive line play uh, doesn't um, perform up to standards. I mean, I get it. I mean, I get why they didn't spend another pick on an offensive lineman. Uh, just like Gavino, I would have liked him too, though. Like, I think everybody in the Chargers fan base would have liked them to spend a pick on an offensive lineman. Any position, any of the five positions on the O-line, uh, just get, get some depth, you know? And um, I look back at, to, the, to the draft, and I think, like, okay, they got their quarterback of the future, for example, and Justin Herbert, whether or not, I know Gavino is Team Herbert. Um, I have agreed not to say anything otherwise. <laughs> so uh, they then got 
they traded up for Kenneth Murray. The the only place I would have seen like where it would have made sense to me personally for them to take like a um, like an offensive lineman was instead of Kelly, right? Yeah, right. Uh, because <laughs> I mean, I don't even have to say if you follow me on Twitter, you know that what or where I was at in the draft because I was a part of the Ben Barch stand. I was the leader of that, and um, I really thought that they were going to draft him. And after the draft, when Telesco said that there was an offensive lineman that they were considering taking, but they elected to go with another player, it honestly just like pointed to Ben Barch. They're one of the very few teams that actually met with him at the Combine. He fit everything um, that James Camp and Kovitz in his offensive lineman and him being versatile. It honestly like told me that if they're just going to decide between Kelly and Ben Barch. So, and they picked wrong. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, that is actually a good segue because I did want to talk about the running back position. Um, You know, around the league, there's there's a lot of uh, different opinions going about the the value of the running back position. The Chargers have Austin Eckler, who is presumed to be their RB one. You know, Justin Jackson. He has missed some games. He's had some little nicks and and knacks of injuries. There's not been like a big injury history. Um, he didn't play. He didn't dress a whole lot as a rookie, and then he came in, and then he got a little banged up, and then he got a, and then he just didn't play very much last year after Melvin Gordon came back. So, are you concerned at all, Gavino, about the second running back behind Austin Eckler? You know, whether that be Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson. Uh, you know, it seems that there's just this. Justin Jackson can't stay healthy argument going around on Twitter. And I don't really know how true that is. Um, any concern or what are your thoughts about that RB2 spot? <clears throat> so with the RB2 spot, obviously you're going to have Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly fighting for that spot. Um, and there are a lot of people that are actually concerned considering that the Chargers are going to go with a more run heavy approach. And you think that you would need a little bit more superior option and Austin Eckler can provide that. But they do want him to be uh, to serve as a pass catcher in the slot and out wide as well. Um, but I do think with the options that we have, because Justin Jackson has flashed, um, his biggest thing are just injuries. And then Joshua Kelly, uh, I'm really excited for him. And that's why like he gets a pass when they pass up on Ben Barch for him, because he was my seventh ring. Running back. There is no pass, Gavino. Come on. <laughs> no, no. And I had a third round grade on him too. So I had a I had a third round grade on him. So he went around later than where I had him. And I think I, I made a tweet immediately after just saying like anyone else I would have been like, God damn it, but I get with what they were trying to do. Um, and I think that Kelly, just given his production, his durability, um, he can be a solid NFL back and I think he can produce, you know, we've had people thinking that he's going to be a a short yard specialist and everything. I've heard it a lot. I've heard it a lot. Right. And that's not true. I don't think people understand that. My favorite part of his game was actually his routes. He runs really sharp routes. So, I mean, while I, while I am against taking a running back in the fourth round when you already have let alone two good running backs. But when you have Austin Eckler on the team, I didn't understand it, especially given that they traded both their two picks to essentially move up their second round pick into the first round is essentially what they did. Um, 
but then to take a, a running back, which is not a very valuable position in, in today's NFL. Um, I don't know how Gavino feels about that. I don't know how you feel about the whole value of the running back deal, but for me, it was very concerning. But on one hand, like as much as I, I don't care for the pick, I do like some aspects of his game. Like, for example, that receiving ability. That has gone completely unnoticed so far. I don't think he's going to be limit, limited to a short backfield role, like where it's just, you know, third and two. Okay, give it to Joshua Kelly. I don't think that's the case. I think the case is, is that they wanted somebody who had more receiving potential, just like Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler do, and they want to keep the thing going. That's, that's how I feel about that selection. Yeah, because, I mean, just both seasons at UCLA, because he was at UC, UC Davis before that, I mean, over 200 carries, over 1,000 yards, over 10 touchdowns. I mean, you just see that type of production, you're like, holy crap. And, um, you know, he's, I think he's better than Melvin Gordon. So there's, like, I'm not, like, huge on, like, hot takes and everything. And, again, it might not take much to be better than Melvin Gordon, but I just <laughs> think he has the skill set to be better and more productive than, than Melvin Gordon. And he can – kind of provide a back that is deserving of that second contract um and obviously with the running back position we're going to be talking about Dalvin Cook in a little bit um he's just a a well-rounded back so he's not going to be like one of the more explosive dynamic make you miss type of running backs but he just doesn't go down he doesn't go to the ground easily um you know he has it all he has the contact balance um uh the lateral agility, the vision, because I saw that a lot in Mobile when I was down there. Um, and he is fast. I mean, like I said, he's not he's not going to have that, like, huge breakaway speed, and maybe he needs to work a little bit in pass protection. Um, I did see that on his tape where he whiffed a few times, but in Senior Bowl, that was definitely a, um, a strong part to his game during that week. But um, I think he could be a solid starter by his second season. But, I mean, I expect, like, 10, 15 carries, especially because we're going to take, like, a run-heavy approach. And I think that's fair right there. And especially with Jackson um, and his durability concern, I guess. Oh. Because his, like, uh, I like Jackson. Like I said, it'll just be a matter of if he can stay, stay healthy because it's not, like, a knee. Like, I mean, it's not, like, a huge injury concern. It's not like he's – had these these injuries in the past but um it obviously is just going to come down to them and it's gonna be a really fun competition to watch uh in camp or you know if we have a, a training camp that is but um, i'm excited for this backfield i really am i just want to warn you now gavino that i have a very sarcastic and very like overly dramatic way to approach things in this podcast i think steven has gotten used to it oh, but when i go it. when i go oh in the middle of it just keep talking it's just it's just me being a dog that's what that's why i did i didn't even bother saying what <laughs> <laughs> i'm a very big justin jackson guy so no I'm, i i know and I, I like him too and there's some people that are still like not bought into him, but I do like Jackson. Um, he reminds me of LT man. He really does. When I watch his tape that he has that, sh- that shoulder dip, that same move that fair. LT has. And I just, I love it. I yeah. love it. Justin Jackson, RB one. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I've been spending the last few weeks going back and watching film on, on uh, NFL game pass from the last season and against the Colts and the lions, you know, Justin Jackson, he basically saved the offense quite a few times. You know, he, He's so good at turning 
nothing into a big play. And I think that is where, you know, he can be almost like a Matt Breida type where he might, might, he might get only five, six carries a game, but he's going to make one of those pop and he's going to make his presence known in each and every game. Right. And he did it last year too against the Steelers. I mean, you just, when it matters most, give him the ball. He's going to make something happen. It's weird. Uh, There's very few running backs you can say that about. Yeah. So, Gavino, you mentioned your experience going down to Mobile. Uh, I know we've talked several times about Justin Herbert on this podcast. I've tried to take an optimistic approach to the Chargers taking him. Jason uh, and me were both not super high on him. But you called your shot from the very get-go. You came out and said that you thought the Chargers should should draft him right from the get-go. Was your experience in Mobile part of that, or or how did that, uh, I guess, love for Justin Herbert start, and how are you feeling about the pick now? It's been there since his sophomore season, man. (laughs) I've really liked Herbert since his sophomore season. Um, And then obviously being – I was actually at the Rose Bowl too. So I was in the press box for the Rose Bowl. So I got to see like quote-unquote his two – biggest showings with the the Rose Bowl and then at the Senior Bowl and um, not a lot had changed in terms of my opinion for him just because like when when I saw him like play from his sophomore season junior season his senior season they're definitely dips I would I would be lying if I said he always improved each season because he stayed pretty stagnant pretty like consistent there were some dips there were some lapses but just his like game in general I saw a guy that could be a solid NFL quarterback. And again, where it's just like, Oh shit. Like, again, we hear like these Oregon quarterbacks. It's like, no, everyone liked Mariota. He went where he went because he did his thing in Oregon. But I thought that Herbert um, was better than Mariota coming out. And again, it's my opinion. I'll probably get a lot of uh, hate for it, but just his his overall skill set obviously we could talk about the size and everything Ooh, like but just athleticism and arm talent yeah and just a lot of things that he did well because when he was on he was freaking on and he had his games where it's like eh, like what is this but like I don't think that offense did him wonders too and that's something that I really factored in from day one was just like man at the NFL level people like oh he'd only be able to flourish like a Bill Belichick type of offense like he has to have a specific type of uh, coaching situation but I just figured that with what the Chargers were going for and just seeing throughout the years of like the players that they're adding and just like what they had in place I'm just like they can do something with this guy and then this past year um, just over the years just seeing with the Keenan Allen okay Mike Williams but then it's just like Hunter Henry Austin Eckler it's like you're surrounding him with weapons and right there was just for the majority of his career Oregon didn't have the receivers to properly like make use of of Herbert's arm and of course like he had his slew of misses too but um just when we like kind of saw like the pieces come together with the, the roster um I figured that they can really maximize that talent and I have like an, an article um, for anyone that doesn't follow me on Twitter and I really go in depth with what he did well at Oregon and what he needs to work on and like the pieces of, pieces for the Chargers and how they can really uh, allow him to flourish. Um, and again, you know, people are just like talking about his personality and everything, but that's like 
the final two games, like I think when we really saw his personality come out and he's even admitted to it where he's just like, he's not naturally inclined to be a vocal player, but right. he, he, rec- he recognizes that he needs to do like, do that at the next level. Like I literally have a, a video, like I was, I was up close. Like when I saw him come out, everyone surrounded him, but I was up there cause I wanted to hear him talk and that he definitely answered those questions. Um, and he, he didn't shy away from them. He, he realized that he needed to be more vocal, step outside of his comfort zone. And um, yeah, obviously from just personality aside and, and what he can do, I just think that he's in the most ideal position with uh, the Chargers expected to implement more play action, more quarterback movement. Um, I think just his skill set aligns perfectly for that, uh, for that offense. And, you know, players that I expect to benefit from him him um assuming that he's going to be there for another year or hopefully for more seasons beyond 2020 is hunter henry um i think yeah. he's really going to to step it up and even with tyrod taylor as a quarterback i think obviously if we think of charles clay with tyrod taylor that's another player that he seemed to target a lot um aside from running the ball more which again i expect to see out of both quarterbacks uh hunter henry should be a top five tight end with one of these quarterbacks. Um, we might t- see like a, a slight decline with, with Keenan Allen. Um, Mike Williams, it'll just depend, you know, uh, Herbert. Yes. Tyrod. I don't know. Um, but again, there's a lot to, to like about Herbert, but there's also a lot that, you know, people are concerned about, but I think he's going to give people like a reason to like, to like him that like makes sense yeah totally I, I you know I think that is a really good point about Hunter Henry you know I went back and watched you know I went through Justin Herbert's film from last season several times through each and you know I definitely noticed a difference in, in his aggressiveness once Jacob Breland went down to injury last year so I definitely think that's a good point about Hunter Henry I think Hunter Henry is going to have a very good season if he stays healthy that's always been the thing with Hunter Henry is can he stay healthy so you know fingers mm-hmm. crossed um, are you in the camp of Tyrod to start this year, or do you think Herbert should play eventually, like halfway through? Where do you stand on that? Is on that? Uh, I think I think he shouldn't. I think Tyrod shouldn't. I think he I think he is going to start, um, but I do think that Herbert should see the field this year, um, just because the only way that you are going to get adapted and just get better at the NFL level is simply play as we could say, like keep him off the field for a long period of time. And sure he could benefit from the practices going up against one of the, the better secondaries and just having that field, but True. that's really not going to optimize his game by just being like on the practice field. So you're going to have to throw him out in the field and you're going to have to ride with him through all the highs and lows. And what you get is what you get in the first season, but at least you know what you can build off of. Um, and again, for like a lot of his weaknesses, uh, his decision-making and his passing instincts, um, you're going to have to throw him on to the field. Again, like I said, you could practice all you want, but you're going to have to throw him on the field. And um, there was one thing that I, I heard, and it was, again, I don't like the guy, but it was interesting. And he predicted when each quarterback, rookie quarterback, was going to get the their first win and it was Colin Coward. And he said for the, for Herbert, I think it was week 13 against the Patriots and it was going to be this first start and he was going to get the win against the Patriots or week four. Yeah. It was week 13. That made a lot of sense because he sees them like at about six and five. Um, They want to get Herbert on the field 
and he goes in at home against New England and picks up the, the victory. Um, it'll be just interesting to see when he gets on the field because the only way I see him is injury to Tyrod or he absolutely just blows it up and the, the team stinks. Um, that's the only way that I see Herbert getting onto the field, but that's just my opinion. They might have a plan um, where they are like, all right, Tyrod, you're going to start eight games and then Herbert takes over. But I just can't see that given um, how many years Tyrod has been in the league. And again, we've never seen Tyrod with a team like this. So it's kind of a similar True. situation with to Herbert with like the, the talent around him. It should be fun to see what he can do with this and benefiting from um, being around Anthony Lynn for a few seasons too. Cause a lot of people are just discounting Tyrod and saying that, you know, he's an average quarterback. Well, it's like, well, he's never been with uh, an offensive skill players like this. So that's why it's just like, I can't say that Tyrod's going to stink because it's, it's very, very difficult to, to stink with, uh, with skill players like this that you have with the chargers. Philip Rivers did it. Yeah. <laughs> True. And um, too soon. <laughs> um, well, one, three, two, one, Jason, they're coming after you. Um, they're going to pause so, this right now and they're coming after you. <laughs> so the more I've dove into 2021 quarterback film, the more I ask myself, should they have been more patient but then again, we've been saying as a fan base that they need to draft a quarterback for years now. Like whether it was like even when Derwin James was on the board, I was still halfway hoping that they took Lamar Jackson, which apparently was the case is they were deciding, well, which one do we take? Derwin James or Lamar Jackson. They were going to take Lamar. Derwin fell. Nobody thought Derwin was going to fall. They're like, well, we can't allow this. And obviously in hindsight, I'm just like, heck yeah, Derwin 100%. But like in the moment, that's a very tough decision of quarterback is a very important decision. But, you know, Derwin can be that face of your franchise in a way like that. Like a quarterback obviously is a face of the franchise, but when you have it on defense, when your face of the franchise is on defense, it hits different. You know, your team has a different mentality and that mentality is fun. You know, whether when your quarterback is the face of the franchise, it's always going to be controversial unless it's like Patrick Mahomes, like even Aaron Rodgers gets crap. So it's, it's very controversial. Whereas you have like a Derwin James where it's a defensive face of the franchise. It's just, it's awesome. It's a fun mentality to have, but you know, as I was, as I was mentioning that 21, 2021 class of quarterbacks is really freaking good. It's really good. And I told Steven this a while ago, Jordan Love was my QB one this year. I would rank about four quarterbacks higher than Jordan Love in 2021. So that means to get to the, to get to the top five, like top five would only have one 2020 quarterback and that would be Jordan Love and he would be fifth. So a part of me wishes that they should have stayed patient and taken whether it's Jamie Newman, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I think a guy is going to be there late in the first round. And I think that guy is going to be maybe the best one because he's going to be put in the best situation. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Like, cause I know you 
you and I, Kavino, were talking earlier this year. You can't wait on a quarterback because you don't know if you're ever going to pick this high uh, in the foreseeable future. You don't know if you're going to pick in the top 10. But when you have, like, there's Kellen Mond, there's Trevor Lawrence, there's Jamie Newman, there's Justin Fields. The list goes on, man. Brock Purdy. There's so many. So does it? would you have excused them? Or would you almost have preferred – if they waited one more year, taken like a boss lineman or whatever the case may be, taking best player available and just build the team for another year, roll with Tyrod for this year and then move on to the quarterback topic again. Um, I was always take a quarterback in 2020 just because seeing that Tyrod only had one more year left on his contract and, uh, you know, he could have performed like an average season I mean, that would have been led to a better draft position and you would have a chance of a better quarterback. But um, there's also no guarantee that they would have been top five and with and then like Trevor Lawrence and um, Justin Fields could have been in that top five or top 10. And yeah, um, with Trey Lance, I think he would be fun on the Chargers offense. Um, But obviously it's hard for me and I have a different opinion just because I was so high Herbert and I'm happy with the with the guy <laughs> but um, with the offensive tackles that we saw and that was viewed as a as a position of need quote-unquote um, in 2020 but they didn't choose it to draft one seeing the 2021 offensive lineman has me really excited and uh, again I like the offensive tackles but I wanted a quarterback so bad that I kind of just like forgot about the offensive linemen. Um, and obviously, this was probably one of the better tackle classes, but seeing the guys next year, I think it just has me more excited because we have, quote-unquote, <laughs> the quarterback of our future. Um, and I say that in quote-unquote because we don't know yet, and a lot of people will disagree with it, but at least we have that secured, and that's why 2021 will be just like, all right, this could be a fun draft where – we do land like one or two linemen similar to what they did in 2017 with Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney and doubling up at that position. Right. Um, Cause that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> if only, if only it worked out. We, we all thought it was going to work out. It sounded good going into uh, to camp and everything, but there was a lot was of unfortunates lit. there. There was yeah. a lot of stuff that played into it. One being, you know, they realized, hey, Pouncey is available and it's late in the offseason. Let's go get him. Uh, Dan Finney was originally intended to play that center position with Lamp at left guard. Then you pair Lamp up with getting hurt and then Feeney filling in at left guard, which was never where they envisioned him. Yeah. So there was a learning curve there. I actually like Feeney after reviewing his tape. Early, early tape, I should say. It got bad later on, but early on he was great in uh, – in 2019 so there was a lot of unfortunates there man but I I see what you're saying they could once you have that quarterback it's it's a lot easier to manage the roster once you have position settled and done it's a lot easier to go around build the roster but I just have this philosophy in my head that would probably never work because I don't know what I'm talking about I've never (laughs) ran a team so but my this philosophy of build your team first and then put the quarterback in there so that there's a smaller chance of failure right because it's so easy to mess up that pick 
and not because the kid is a bad quarterback per se, but just because you put him in a situation that's unfair to him and it didn't work out. Um, we see so much like Marcus Mariota. Everybody loves him going. And then all of a sudden he went to this Titans team where um, I believe Ken Wisenhunt was the head coach and their O-line was god awful. And uh, had a lot of issues. Yeah. So like if Marcus Mariota had ended up somewhere else, how would that change? Or if Deshaun Watson was in Kansas city, would he be the, the guy? Um, if shoot, if Mitch Trubisky ended up in Kansas city, what would that be like? What would be some, what would be talking about yeah. there? Would Mitch Trubisky be the next guy? Would he be the MVP? Would he be on the cover of Madden last year? If like, so it's just, there's this philosophy in my head of, build the team, understand what team you're building, and then get your quarterback. But there's also the reverse of once you get your quarterback, you know what kind of team you need to build. To, to build. So once you yeah. find your guy, like is he a strong arm? So then do you need to draft some, some deep threat wide receivers and some, some good play action pass blockers? Is that what you need to do? Or you know, is your guy an Alex Smith where you know, they, they just need like run heavy uh, alignment? So there there's multiple ways there but man a part of me just wants trey lance on the chargers <laughs> uh, trey lance would he's a lot of fun man i mean he had an amazing season and threw for zero interceptions and still ran zero. for a thousandth art he had a thousand yards rushing too so it, you know it definitely is is tempting there um you know i think jason you bring up a good point there's a lot of different ways to approach the quarterback position in today's today's world you know you can get a guy like ryan Tannehill and in a right situation you know, you have an AFC championship team. So I think there is something to what you're saying. And, I, you know, a small part of me really wants to see Justin Herbert play this year and then play next year because there's a guy in 2022 who, Gavino, you get to see up close and personal, and Daniel. that's Jaden Daniels, man. I love Jaden Daniels. and Steven, oh, Steven's oh. waiting for Justin Herbert to take the field. He's just like, <laughs> fail. Well, I'm just saying, like, Throw if a you – <laughs> you know, Justin Herbert, you play him this year, you play him next year. If he doesn't work out, then you take Jaden Daniels in 2022. Gavino, am I crazy for loving Jaden Daniels? No, not at all. Um, I'm trying to like look ahead to 2022. I'm like trying to make just a throw it out there <laughs> prediction of who he's going to end up with. I could see Jaden Daniel ending up with uh, the. Um, it's like Sim and it's like him and Sam Howell from North Carolina. Those are like the two main ones, I think. At least Saints, right now, he'll end up with the Saints or the Falcons. Oh man! No, <laughs> oh, I'm just—I'm I'm just gonna throw a team. We can look back. We can listen back at this episode. I'm just gonna say Jaden Daniels is gonna end up for the Falcons or Saints. I have a different one. He's gonna play for the Raiders. They're gonna finally get oh. the car. If Jaden Daniels ends up with the Raiders, I'm gonna be so disappointed. I cry every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Jaden Daniels actually almost chose to go to my alma mater, University of Utah, and then he decided rightly so to go to Arizona state where he would have a better opportunity to play right away. Yeah. And you know, I was at the game this past season in salt Lake and it had been pouring all day. And you know, Utah's, crazy, defense, game. <laughs> Utah's defense was lights out that game. And Jane Daniels threw for 25 yards, but he never got rattled. And I like walked away from him throwing 25 yards going, I love this kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't get rattled at all by this Utah defense that had seven players get drafted. And I don't know, man. I just, I just love Jane Daniels. I love him. Yeah, and, and uh, looking ahead and with that same school, um, 
We've seen Nikhil Harry. We've seen Brandon Ayuk. Next guy up is Frank Darby, who is going to be his go-to receiver and wouldn't be surprised if he is a top 50 pick, just like these other two. Um, obviously, they're both first-rounders, but Frank Darby is your deep ball type of guy. Um, he's a lot of fun, too. So ASU just keeps producing receivers, and it definitely helps Daniels out as well. <clears throat> Yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Him and Sam Howell is going to be an interesting debate. Mm-hmm. So I do want to kind of uh, shift to some NFL news. You know, we've been hearing this Jamal Adams debacle just progress and progress and progress. And, and he has finally requested a trade from the New York Jets. Uh, you know, I'd like to, to answer this in two parts. If you're the Jets, how aggressive are you in trying to trade him? And what do you make of – Jamal Adams request to be traded to basically any playoff team. It's unfortunate how the jets have treated Jamal Adams, right? Because he like Der- Derwin James was in the most ideal situation and they have treated him. It's only been two seasons. And now he's like literally the, the face of the franchise. Now with Jamal Adams, he's wanting himself out. I mean, when you're with the jets, I blame him. No, but um, again, it just seems like they have not treated him well since he's been there. He's do he does it all. Um, he's proven to be a really, really good safety, one of the best in the league. But um, again, with what you're you're asking for, it, it, you're not you're asking for for quite a bit. You're not going to be getting mid round picks. I mean, you're asking for for first, maybe second round pick and more it'll be kind of like maybe like a blockbuster type of deal if, if you're trading Jamal Adams because I mean those players just don't just don't come around that often right and um again I don't know if, if they will trade him again <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of of storylines in sports uh, especially the NFL so makes you wonder it's like are we starting this to kind of like make headlines because there hasn't been a lot lately and we always like True. get these storylines and we hype them up so much and then he ends up playing with them and it's like of course like it's just one of those things so it's interesting to see if it is real um it i think it is just with the teams that have been listed um as his preferred um trading destination destinations so um yeah obviously to acquire jamal adams it would be a lot um so yeah but i don't know if the jets actually do trade him is there a team that you think is like if they got Jamal Adams, they're instantly like a top tier team? <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> a t- okay, a team that's not a top tier team that with Jamal Adams can make that jump into a top tier team. Man, the Seahawks. Okay. Yeah, the I'm Seahawks, and it, it's hard for me to say, especially you being a Utah guy, because they have Marquise Blair over there. I and, love uh, Marquise Blair. I, I love Marquise Blair. So. Um, but I just think with the Seahawks, because they're a team that's so close um, with the piece that they have and that they've brought in, I just think that uh, they could definitely um, help uh, get them to the Super Bowl once again, I guess you can say. So for me, it would be the, the Seahawks. Um, I don't have the full list up in front of me. Um, I'm trying to think. The Seahawks the are Cowboys the are on there. Uh, but there's no way that's happening because Dak wants $40 million. Exactly. That's why yeah. I didn't mention the Cowboys. 
Which, right. I mean, that's so funny to me is Dallas fans are like, okay, Jamal Adams, while at the same time also saying pay deck. It's so funny to me. I love it. I love Dallas fans. They're an enigma. That's a, that's a um, great... I mean, you can, you can, like, the Ravens. Obviously, they're kind oh, of already contenders, but it's like, man, with, with the Ra- Jamal Adams with the Ravens, that would be scary. Be nasty. Yeah, it would. Marcus well, Peters and... Um, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Marlon Humphrey with mm-hmm. um, Jamal Adams would be nasty. And Earl Thomas, man. Earl, Earl Thomas. Thomas isn't – he's not the same player he used to be, but he's still really good. Yeah, him. <laughs> I just remember the Earl Thomas story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That story was crazy. As we're talking about this, NFL Update tweets, hey, you come into Dallas? Jamal Adams replies with, I'm trying to. Well, wow. <laughs> well, that's it. That is, I mean, they could make it work for next year, but then they would have to get really creative if they're trying to give him an extension too. Why do so many NFL players want to go to Dallas? So I was actually listening to uh, Jared McCoy on, um, he was on get up and he was saying, you know, if you really think about the opportunities that Dallas gives you, it's, it's a great opportunity on the field because you're always on TV, but more than anything, these players are looking at Dallas as like the next opportunity to, to launch the after career of like, maybe you get on television as an, as a, as an analyst, or maybe you go into journalism or whatever the case may be. A lot of players view it as like this great stepping stone into the after career. Like, you know, Jason Witten was on, uh, Monday Night Football and Tony Romo has this crazy TV deal now. So a lot of players think of it as as a great way to move on after football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I so I did actually, you know, Dak Prescott came out today earlier this morning that he plans to sign his franchise or his transition tender. Um, Reality yeah. slapped him in the face? Yes. His wow. transition tender is still like $30 million. I think I remember seeing it, maybe like 31. Just draft a new quarterback, man. <laughs> Just go with Andy Dalton. That's what I would say. But Gavino, yeah. uh, do you think Dak Prescott is almost underrated? And what do you make of his contract situation? Oh, man. Again, it is a lot of money that he's requesting. Is it worth it? I, I don't know. I'm not like a yes or no. It's just like, I don't know. And again, that's like money type of money that for a guy that should have led the Cowboys to, to more than what they've already, you know, been to like just the postseason accolades and just the success overall. But I just seem like a little bit too much. And obviously the production, like the individual production is there, but terms of just uh, carrying that team it just hasn't been to where you'd want from a guy that wants that much money that's how I kind of view that what has he done for the team well the NFL is a very like interesting deal with free agents because if you're anything above average at all you're gonna set the market every time no matter what your position is if you're above average you are going to set the market and I hate that because NFL, like the NFL is a sport where it doesn't really matter if you're the best of the best, you're going to get paid like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Just because that's kind of like the traditional sense that players get. I hate that. You're not paid 
your pay does not rep- represent your talent. Your pay does not represent your your impacts to the team. Right. Um, so, well, compared to your other your other fe- like fellow players at the same position, I'm not saying like because obviously quarterbacks are paid by the way they impact the team. But like, for example, Dak Prescott making, let's say he makes forty million a year, that does not represent his his play. It doesn't because he's not a forty million dollar quarterback. Right. So, but then you also have the deal where, like, you know, in four years, forty million might not be that much for a quarterback. And so, we we always have that conversation of, well, Derek Carr made twenty five million a year, and that was outrageous. Well, it was outrageous because he sucks, but it was like now it doesn't seem like that much at all. So it's very confusing when I, when I go and evaluate these contracts and what these players are requesting because, A, I don't think they deserve it. Like, they're not that good. B, it's like in a couple of years, that contract might not even seem that ridiculous. And C, you have the rest of the team to think about. Right. Every time. Yeah. So it's very confusing when I try to navigate the, the whole – like top contracts like the set the market kind of guys well it's it's honestly a little uh scary to see this Dak Prescott situation pan out because if he signs for 40 you know Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson you know they're gonna sign for like scratch that sign Dak Prescott please three million (laughs) dollars in fact 45 million dollars Mahomes is gonna do it well, but also like the way that that's trending though is like, just don't just Justin don't sign Her- a quarterback. Just yeah. keep drafting one. Keep drafting him. Yes, yeah, yeah. keep drafting. Why not? Why not, man? Just keep Our- drafting a quarterback. Quarterbacks are becoming the new running backs. The new running that backs would be actually valuable. Oh man, what, that would be interesting if quarterbacks overextended their market to where teams were just like hell no. Yeah, that is interesting because. You know, if Dak is making 40 and let's say Watson makes 45 and Mahomes 50 and then, you know, Kyler Murray's ups in then a couple of years and like, you know, are we going to see quarterbacks making like 60, $65 million? Like that's just a, a scary thought, especially for a guy who's a fan of a team who has a young quarterback. Like if Justin Herbert is just come becomes this amazing quarterback in five years, are we going to be looking at the chargers paying him $75 million or something like that? Like, that's just insane to me. At what point does the NFL just lock the cap where there's like, no, screw you guys. We're not, we're not bumping this up anymore. It really makes you wonder (laughs) because I'm going to be honest, like as, as a fan, you, you get fans that say, go get your bag, right? Like you, you control (laughs) this, go make money. But like personally, I'm just like screw you, screw all of you. I hate every <laughs> single one of you. What, what, why? Why should you make sixty-five million dollars a year playing a sport? And I and I say this lightly because I hate the kind of people that bring this up. But but like there is a part of me that's just like I hate you guys. I hate right. you. Right. Making sixty-five million dollars a year while my guy Tyrod's making seven. I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely is an interesting discussion and, you know, it's the way that football is trending. You know, I thought for a little bit there that maybe the NBA would kind of, would kind of close the gap in terms of overall viewership and just 
the kind of money that is rolling in, but the NFL just every single year is going to new heights and new heights. And you know, it's just been incredible to watch the growth of the sport, even though it has always been the, like the king of the modern era in the United States and the world really. So like mm -hmm. another thought is with these contracts raising up in money, at what point do they extend like how long the contracts are? Like, do you think we'll ever see like a like team Johnson 10 year deal? Yeah, like a team unlock, like, hey, we don't want to pay you $60 million a year, but we'll give you a 10-year deal for $45, $50 million a year. Like, do you think that ever happens? But, like, at the, at the same time, I don't, I, like, I don't think it would because, at, like we talked about a minute ago, that contract might not seem like it's all that in a couple of years. And that's why you see these guys sign only, like, two, three-year deals which really hurts the team, honestly. Um, it hurts both sides, I, I, in my opinion. But, like, because they want to set the market every single time. And yeah. I don't know. It's kind of annoying as a fan, isn't it? <laughs> it's annoying the way sports have trended to where these players aren't loyal to teams anymore and teams aren't loyal to players. And so it's gone from you know, seeing Jerry Rice in San Francisco for 20 years or however long he played to is anybody going to be surprised if Keenan Allen leaves? Is anybody going to be surprised if, you know, um, Calvin Ridley plays on 20 teams before he's done? Is anybody going to be surprised if like these young receivers are just like bouncing around the league or these young quarterbacks bouncing around the league because, you know, they want the next big money? Man, that'll be something. Uh, and that's just an interesting topic to see if this will be Keenan Hounds last year. I don't think it will be, but... Uh, I'll literally cry. Yeah. He's my yeah. dude. He made me a Chargers fan. So it, I would have a real conversation in my head of like, do I want to watch this year? Because I would need a break. I think I would. I would. Steven's laughing at me, but I would have a real emotional like disconnect from the Chargers at that point. I'd just be like, I hate everything, and this isn't for me anymore. Yeah, I need to take a break. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm tearing up. <laughs> but like, it's just like you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where you form an emotional connection with these players, almost like these these players, like you, you're all in on. Justin Herbert, if you're Gavino, I'm all in on Keenan Allen. Steven's all in on Tyler Huntley up in Baltimore. Um, Let's go. <laughs> hey. I actually don't know who Steven's favorite charger is. That's why I said that. But like that Eckler's my Eckler's my favorite charger right now. That's boring. Uh, that's no, boring. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one actually. Eckler's a very easy player to like. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all about the underdog situations, and so how seeing how much Austin Eckler has overcome in his career to get to this point is just uh it's just incredibly fun to watch I think my second honestly right now is Derwin James just because of the energy and like just the overall juice and swagger that he brings to this team it is just there's such a big difference when he's on the field and when he's not my second so, favorite has to be uh Casey Hayward I like Casey. Mine isn't about? even. Mine isn't even Herbert though. You're gonna be like, oh, Jerry Tillery. No, it's because uh, <laughs> again, yeah, I, I got I got Tillery right. So it's just like it seems like everyone's following who my projections of who the Chargers are okay. draft. I'm, I, yeah, I got a two year streak right now. There um, we go. But uh, no, Uchenna Nwosu. Okay. 
probably like one that. of my yeah. I like that. That was oh your, that was one of your first scouting profiles. First scouting reports was Uchenna Nwosu. Yep. There we go. So Chargers fans, make sure you tune in for whoever Gavino predicts for next year. Uh, that way we can hopefully get a three-year streak going. Trey through. Lance. <laughs> right, right now, I'll just throw three names. All two offensive linemen and one cornerback. And my very, very early prediction is uh, Samuel Cosme, the tackle from Texas. Uh, Creed Humphrey, the um, center from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And the cornerback, I will go with Paulson Adebo. Okay. Adebo is nice. Adebo is nice. Very, very nice. Well, Gavino, hopefully one of those three become the (laughs) Chargers pick right now. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, you know, there's so much that can happen. You know, who knows? There might not even be a college football season at this point, the way it's going. But you know, there's 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 definitely a lot of things that can change. Um, well, Gavino, we thank you so much for coming on. And Chargers fans, again, make sure you hit up Chargers Wire on Twitter. Check out all his articles on on their website as well. He pumps out a lot of great quality uh, articles every single day. Make sure and tune in into those. Uh, Gavino, thank you for joining us. We hope that you stay safe and stay healthy with all this craziness around the world. You know, we wish you nothing but the best down there in Arizona. You too, and I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yeah, of course. We're looking forward to keeping on keeping up with your content. For Jason, you can follow him at Centauri13. Make sure you follow. <laughs> make sure you follow the podcast at GAC Podcast17 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our Facebook page is kind of neglected right now, but make sure you follow us on those two platforms and our Patreon account. Where Facebook's little, just so boring, Stephen. It's it so boring on there. It Everybody Twitter, wants to Twitter gets all talk the about their dog and their family. I don't care about your family care about football get out of here okay well if you want to follow me on instagram definitely do that because i do post several pictures of my amazing dog solely uh anyways make sure you follow all of us on social media and our patreon account where as little as one dollar gets you some access to some very cool things like chargers giveaways and film breakdowns which we will be getting more to frequently uh down the road so that will do it for this show thanks for tuning in And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.